fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Brought back on by Petrangelo. Fires. Get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, here we go. Pucks in deep, episode 35. That's right, we're back. It's been a little bit of a layoff, but the boys needed some vacation, didn't we, Lesko? I guess we went 34 straight weeks before that. <laughs> it's true how we went weekly without missing a week. That was great. Good scheduling by us, I guess. I don't know how that worked out, but it worked out great. And then all of a sudden, uh, what'd you say? Summer scheduling? It's summer scheduling. Summer scheduling. Fuck the summer. Mailing it in for summer. <laughs> Mail it in every two weeks here on the pod. <clears throat> no, but seriously, episode 35, Pucks and Deep Podcast, at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam. Thanks for joining us. Um, we didn't actually plan on having a uh, two-week hiatus, but as we mentioned, it did just happen to work out that way, and some things have changed since we last saw each other, Lesko, I mean, we got a Stanley Cup final to talk about now. We got the Blues and the Bruins, which is basically every Leaf fan's nightmare moving forward here. It was basically, you know, uh, I'm hearing a lot of it could have been us. It should have been the Leafs. And I would like to go out and say, no, let's just stop that narrative right now. I've, I heard that take. And the one I sort of agree agreed with that I did see was that um, from the perspective of a Maple Leafs player right now, if you're sitting at home watching this Stanley Cup final, you're thinking about what could have been. Yeah, I agree. And, with and that. you look at how easily Boston kind of pranced through the rest of the Eastern Conference. You got to you got to feel like those emotions, those feelings, and those scenarios are going through some of the players' heads. Yeah, I like that approach. I think as a as a player, you're allowed to have that disappointment in thinking man it could have been us but as a fan you can't be like oh it should have been us we lost like let's say the Bruins go on to win the cup you're not as a Leaf fan saying that you know we in theory finished second in some way in some universe we finished second because you're just we lost lying to, to yourself them. yeah like you're just looking for an out or some sort of excuse when really at the end of the day we fucking lost that's it we lost so too bad too bad. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention that, uh, you know, I said some things have changed. Of course, we moved on. The Raps uh, have also moved on, as we all know now. They're in the uh, NBA finals going on right now. Um, I don't think a lot of people south of the 49th uh, anticipated an NBA final game ever really happening in Toronto. Let's go. But that's exactly what we got going on. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, to having a chat about the Raptors. Uh, I know this is a hockey podcast, but it's nice to I- expand a little bit. And what what better way to expand than talk about the Toronto Raptors being in the NBA Finals? So we are going to have a friend of the show, Tyler Mataraz, on the program uh, in the second segment here. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit on the Raptors. I don't know how much of a basketball fan he is, Lesko, but he's right there in the heart of Toronto. So he's got a, a fingerprint on the pulse of, uh, or a finger on the pulse, I should say, of, of really... Raptor mania in uh, Toronto. 
Well, it's absolutely exploding, and for good reason. I mean, they uh, they deserve the love they're getting, and I mean, I'm I've been fully on board. I haven't missed a game I think since they played Philly at this point. That's impressive. I've been watching watching them all. Do you watch from tip off? I have been quite a bit. Yeah, really. Yeah, even full basketball games, which is a rarity for me. Wow. I've been watching a lot of uh, games from start to finish, and uh, I mean, them beating Golden State in Game One was, you know, incredibly exciting. And not only did they beat them, they they seemed to. Have, oh, they had their way. They, they had their times. way with it. Exactly. Yeah, like absolutely. it was. Uh, it was. It was kind of surprising because i thought oh you know i feel like we're gonna get dummy or we're gonna win a nail biter but they were in they were in solid control yeah i'm not gonna lie i'll be the first one to admit that i was wrong as far as what kind of chances did the raptors have uh to even maybe win a game in the finals i remember you know there were some of my buddies that are more basketball fans maybe even than hockey fans and you know they're saying no coleman you're not giving the raptors enough do here like they can do it. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, I know. I'm not saying that they can't. I'm just saying it's fucking Golden State. And, I mean, what are you supposed to do? They've been there five times in a row for a reason. But, I mean, they've got some injuries. It looks like Clay Thompson won't even be able to play. Uh, maybe, I guess I should say, in Game 3. Durant is already uh, ruled out for Game 3. Maybe no Clay. I mean, let's go. It's there for them to take in, in Game 3, is it not? First game in Cali. Well, I think... One of the biggest factors is Durant and the fact that nobody can match up to Kawhi or, or do what Kawhi does necessarily at both ends of the floor. Because you take a look at Steph Curry and he is, I'm not saying he's one-dimensional, but is primarily an offensive driver for that team, being a bit of a smaller player as well. Whereas, you know, you have Durant, much like Kawhi, a big man who can, who can do it all over, you know, rebounds, um, shot blocks, steals. Well, when you, turnovers. What I liked, I was listening to it. I can't even remember what station. Maybe they were talking about it on TSN. I was watching just before bed. I don't know. But someone made a good point. They said, listen, Curry is not the kind of guy that's going to be attacking the rim all the time, much the same way your 6'5s and 6'6s six guys Right, you're will. not going to see him driving that often. He needs a quick second to be open because he's not going to body his way through the no, key. No, and he's a ball mover as well. Mm-hmm. So when it looks like he might be driving the paint, he'll dish it out and now you got a three ball. The problem is with with all the injuries they've got going on, Curry is going to be forced into taking his game a little bit more into the paint. And we actually saw that late in the in the final game. Curry himself was setting himself up for free throws because he mm-hmm. was, you know, he's very sneaky. He knows how to draw the call. Or I guess maybe more of what I'm saying is he knows what plays are likely to draw a foul. I'm going to do this play right now. I'm going to duck duck my shoulder in and try and go for the reverse, and someone's probably going to foul me. And if they don't, I'm probably going to score two points because, I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He's just a different basketball player than your prototypical monster, but uh, he's pretty solid. I, I love watching Curry play. He's a great player. Yeah, I think the only thing that really got on my nerves was the, uh, the officiating last game was atrocious. Some of the foul calls that were going – against the Raptors and not going against the Warriors. It's just, I know it, it, I looked at the stats. It was actually uh, pretty close to even eventually, but some of the calls, I mean, Kyle Lowry fouled out of that game too. And there was quite a few calls that were, you know, beyond questionable, I'd say. Yeah. That uh, 18-0 run in the third to start the third. That's what sewered them. That, that ended yeah. the game for them. Essentially. You know, they never really recovered. But what was funny is one of my buddies was kind of, talking at length about how 
the Raptors have no chance. Golden State's the best. Like the Raptors are going to have to play the best game of their lives and Golden State will have to be bad. But when you look at the stat line, let's go what they lost by two baskets and they went on an 0 for 18 run. Overall, it was actually 0 for 20 because the Warriors scored the final two points of the second half. Yeah. So if you include the final bucket in the second half, they went on an 0 for 20 run and only lost by two. So, I mean, the game is a lot closer than you think it was. If if I'm beating you, but you dummied me for 10 minutes of the game and I still barely beat you, that's that you know that's a, an interesting point. So the it's not like the Warriors ran away with that game. They ran away with the third quarter. And when you can look back on it and say, okay, the Raptors kind of lost the game by not responding in the third quarter, it still took Golden State a lot just to be able to beat them by a couple buckets with with Lowry on the bench for the final couple minutes. Yeah, they're right in it, which is great for us fans. You know, we're, we're going to get to see a good series. I don't think it's going to be a, a route by any means. And based on the first two games, uh, you know, they've shown that they can compete with these guys. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what the city of Toronto is like from a residence uh, point of view, that being Tyler Matteras. Um, for our listeners as well, for, uh, so you guys want to stick around for Tyler. We're also going to pick his brain, of course, uh, on the Stanley Cup Finals. We're, we'll talk a little bit of ratings, and we're going to talk a little Leafs as well. Uh, while we have Tyler on, he did mention to us uh, one of the previous times on the show that he likes the Leafs, so smart guy, and uh, we'll pick his brain on that. But um, yeah, after that, let's go. Uh, how, was your, how was your last couple of weeks? You got that uh, pink eye cleared up or the sty in the, the eye? Sty, yeah. You got no sunglasses on today. No, so I don't. It's, everything's good? It looks, it looks all right. It like, does look I'm good. I'm hoping it doesn't come back up because that was completely fucked. <laughs> Not really being able to see for a few days. And <laughs> that was good. That. Yeah, that was, a, that was a tough break there. And I had to get it cleared up too because I was standing in a wedding this past weekend. Oh, geez. So I got my picture taken all day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I guess right before... Uh, when we, when we did the last show, I went to the guy's bachelor party. My buddy, Mike shout out, just got married to his lovely wife, Katrina. Um, so went to the bachelor party and then I had a week off and then down to, uh, to Hamilton for the wedding this past weekend. Okay, nice. But so I almost had an incident, um, where I did further damage to my face prior to the wedding. So we get a call cause the limo driver's at my buddy's apartment to go pick us up. We go downstairs, we got our suit bags all ready to go to the B&B to meet up with the ladies and get dressed and stuff, right? Wedding day? Wedding day, okay? okay. So this is the morning of the wedding. And like, just full disclosure, I had like one pint before I left the apartment. Okay, fine. So we're, we're going down. You're not wasted. But, but I'm wearing my sunglasses inside. Big mistake. So we're walking up and there's two man doors, but huge windows on either side of them. And wouldn't you know it, I'm looking right past the window. I'm like, oh, look at that limo. That looks sweet. Bam. No. Walked straight into this plate glass window. Oh, Oh, yeah. And like, luckily, I was kind of like leaned forward, I guess. And like, it hit my, I hit my forehead and then my glasses mostly. I didn't hit my nose, thankfully, because I got to broke my nose really easily. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, I just kind of rammed my glasses into my forehead. I got a bit of a bruise, like just above my eye right now from it, but didn't, didn't draw blood, didn't do any significant damage. And, and uh, my buddy's got a good laugh out of it. What a story that would have been. So here's our wonderful wedding pictures. And here's me with stitches above my eyeball. Yeah. Because I walked into a fucking door. Yeah. Best man walks into <laughs> a fucking plate glass window. Oh, my God. The other funny part is 
we might have some footage to release if I can get a hold of it. So one of the guys in the wedding is like uh, uh, works for the property manage co- management company. So I asked him, I was like, you should try and see if you can get that security footage of me running into the running oh, into the window. Man, yeah. So that'd be something. That would be amazing. Well, we'll keep the we'll keep the listeners posted on that. All right. So you got that all cleared up, so that's good. Um I told you before though, the sunglasses kind of work. And I mean the, we're in a brightly lit kitchen here uh, on the farm. You probably could get away with it, Bob McGowan. Maybe, but I, think it might I don't work. really want to look like him if I can avoid it. True, true. He looks like he's wearing those creepy transition lenses. Did you ever have yeah, those? No, You're I, a glasses guy. I never actually had them. I always wanted them. You but, wanted them? Oh, I did. Uh, Man, come on. Think about it, dude. Like, I like to wear sunglasses, okay? But if I have my glasses on, I fucking can't. Right. And that sucks because it really sucks when you have glasses on Man, squinting, and then you got the sun coming in and bouncing. Oh, it's terrible. So I always wanted transitions, but I'm glad I didn't get them because they're kind of brutal. Well, I I had a buddy who had them, and you know the worst part is the transitions aspect. You walk in into a store, into a building, or into a party, and you look like an absolute creepazoid because you're like half or three quarter tinted at yeah, a time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just looks bizarre it would it would you kind of look like a bit of a creeper yeah oh yeah <laughs> so we might um you'll have to forgive us uh for the listeners out there you might hear some whimpering and some crying in the background and no it's not lesco uh it's the new puppy you're looking for him right now he already fucked off to the oh, outside he went outside yeah he fucked off so we got a new pup lab hound He's like seven weeks. Oh, that's where the dangly ears come from. So oh. he's a, he's a lab hound mix. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was straight lab at first. No, no. Oh, he's that's la- cool. Yeah, lab hound mix, and he's got some characteristics from both. Like yeah. there's a there's a bit of a wrinkly nose. He looks in like there. he's got beagle ears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The big floppy ears. I told you before. It's hilarious. That's they cute. they go in his bowl when he drinks, and his ears get all soaking wet. <laughs> and at first, I had no idea what he was getting himself into. Uh, turns out he was just dunking his ears in his water. So. Archie is his name, named after my obsession with Archie comics as a child growing up. And as I'm sure you'll remember, Lesko, pretty much almost same other than the fact that Bailey was a girl. Yeah. Bailey, my lab Dalmatian growing up. I do up, remember that Was dog. a girl and she was my fucking goddamn best friend forever. Good dog, so that one. finally got an opportunity to get my own and we'll see how... Me and Archie uh, get going as things move on. We got a bunch of groundhogs outside. We got to worry about that. Yeah, he's got. He's gonna have fun. You got this nice property for him to muck around. Yeah, in. we got some plants outside that he seems to love to get into. Start barking at those cows next door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here he comes again. <laughs> yeah, so he's a bit of a yappy guy, but actually, I shouldn't say he's yappy. He's just whiny. He wants to be around me all the time. Yeah, so that's puppies. Yeah, puppies and women. So is he watching hockey with you, though, is the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tune He's been in, watching. Tuning oh, into yeah. the finals? We've been watching the finals together. We've been watching raps together. And, you know, when he's not when he's not pissing on the bed, I've laid down like <laughs> se- 17 blankets and a mattress cover. And every time he kind of pees, I just peel off the top blanket and throw it in the wash. I thought you were going to say I pee with him. Well, I mean, yeah, I could pee to make him feel less, less uh, self-conscious about it. Poor guy. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. We've been tuning in and... Uh, Obviously, uh, the finals have been uh, the finals have been going along pretty well, man. I mean, what's your biggest takeaway so far in in these finals? I got it, go It's one. really what I was hoping for anyway, and that was a good competitive series. Uh, St. Louis has shown that they can most definitely um, compete with the Bruins, except for that game on the weekend where they got absolutely shit canned. But right. like they, that was just a bad one all around. I think from all all aspects of the game for them. But uh, man. <laughs> 
Did you uh, did you catch Brett Hall last night though? I didn't actually see it, but I heard about it. So he did like a pump up speech before the game, and it was like it was basically like a wrestling promo. Like he was pretty much Ric Flair out there okay. firing him up, and looked like he probably was already into a few before that happened. Oh heavens! And then yeah. later in the game, there was a picture of him, and he's sitting pretty close to glass. So people were saying he was flipping off Boston players or something, but he was throwing the bird up. And Amazing! There's, yeah, there's a picture of him. So like, it's I love when those uh, those old vets of the team and. That that's if anyone knows anything about what Brett Hall's attitude was like back when he played, this guy didn't give a shit then, and he sure as hell does not give a shit about anything right now. Well, I love that you brought up the wrestling promo because he was basically as close to a wrestling persona as you could get in the NHL. He was a good heel for hockey. He was a heel for hockey, yeah. and he was kind of like it was. He was born and bred right in the middle of the the Attitude Era. Right for like Stone Cold, well, he's a and superstar, Shawn yeah. Michaels, and all this stuff. So he's got like a little bit of everyone kind of wrapped in, and he, and he's he was a good looking dude, right? Like Brett Hall was a pretty good looking dude. So well, like he's a legend, you get the blonde hair, blue eyes, like sniping Geno's all fucking day, fifty a year, easy, no problem. And he was a bit cocky, and uh, you know people used to say, well, that was Americans are always cocky, blah blah blah. But you know what? He had the right to be that way, and he still has the right to be that way right now, and um. Him, you know, firing the crowd up kind of leads perfectly into my biggest takeaway so far, which is confirming my admiration and my love for the St. Louis Blues crowd. Aren't they wild? Why? Like last night was was awesome to Amazing. see. Amazing. I mean, there's they were standing up pretty much the whole third period. I felt like, and um, well, Ryan O'Reilly put them on their feet, and I don't think they they got down after that. I mean, I. Some people call Ryan O'Reilly a little underrated. Um, I do. I'm sure he doesn't. He doesn't get the kind of airtime as say some of the bigger stars. But uh, I mean, that guy's a huge play driver, and he does it all. He does it at both ends of the ice. Um, you know, he kills it in the faceoff circle. Did you see the? And I've seen this before, but it, it circulated again last night online. But his curve on his stick? No, I haven't. So he's got basically the most bizarre curve you've ever seen, and then right at the very toe, maybe like an inch off the toe is curved like tip downward the other way like no no like oh. I- inward but like just this little bit is like just I-, I don't know how to explain it it's almost like a direct 90 right there oh okay you know so what so he can corral a little bit better i'm not sure what he what the explanation is behind it and and why he uses it that second goal he Look scored. Look up a picture of it when you have a chance. That second goal he scored, which was the clip, by the way, for the intro. What a sick goal. Oh, yeah. Like from 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 the word go, what a sick goal. You got Petrangelo coming in on a nothing play, like a two-on-two. And that's a defenseman, Petrangelo, on his, on his strong side. So it's not like he's got an angle to shoot at or anything. And he just kind of like he looked around Lesko, which is what I liked about it most. He looked around real quick to see what was up. And then fired a shot to the high, to the high blocker side, which is such a smart shot because Rask can't corral it. He must blocker it away, and that's what he did. He blockered it right into the slot, and the way that O'Reilly actually fucking buried that—that's a goal scorer's goal, man. That's not the kind of thing where you're gonna dangle Pasternak backhand shelf in a phone booth. Not saying he can't do that, but I mean, those are the goals that fire me up as a fan. Like I'm not a fan of the Blues. I'm a fan of the sport. But if you are a fan of the Blues, like I could only imagine how ape shit I would have gone if that was like a Leaf goal in the fucking Stanley Cup. Oh, finals. absolutely! And then that, you know, it blew the top right off that building. And 
man, like O'Reilly just did everything right. Like he, he did exactly what you're supposed stick to do. On the ice. Stick on the ice, going hard to the net. Um, you mentioned Petrangelo too. I mean, this guy, I mean, we've known for a while he, how important he is to the Blues and, and how much of a force he is. But the guy played 29 minutes last night. And it looks like they're, they're really going to lean on him uh, to help them out. And I thought what was really cool, and I guess we didn't bring up because we haven't had a show since, but uh, it was Carl, Carl Gunnarsson scoring that big OT winner. Former Leaf. Former Leaf great Carl Gunnarsson, <laughs> which I hated that trade from day one. I was a fan of his. I'm, he's nothing special, but like I found he's one of those guys that you don't notice him because he doesn't fuck up a in lot. In a good way. Yeah, you don't yeah. notice him in a good way. Right, He was right. He was your plug-and-play kind of guys, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's a plug-and-play guy that's playing in the Stanley Cup Final. You know who else is a plug-and-play guy playing in the Stanley Cup Final? Tyler Bozak. And he got them there too, man. Like Bozak had a oh, lot of been, clutch goals. He's been contributing for sure. So if you're uh, if you're a Leaf fan, and you know, I, I figure you're not cheering for Boston anyway, but there's a couple of guys that you can, uh, and Alex Steen being another as well that uh, I'm I'm happy to see have some success. Uh, guys who've been grinding out in the league for a long time and didn't find much success when they were in the blue and white. Unfortunately, I'm just so happy that I'm just so happy that. The Blues won that game, man. Like, even if I, like, I am kind of cheering for the Blues, okay? There's probably a couple reasons. Reason number one is the fucking crowd. And I will not let you or anyone else try and scoff at me for saying, well, no, it's just because you're, you know, butt hurt or salty or whatever fucking word you want to use, the online words, because the Bruins beat the Leafs. No, that's not why I'm cheering for the Blues. I love a great crowd. I always do. And the Leafs, as we know, let's go for the majority of our adult lives. We haven't even been able to see them be in the fucking cup or be in the in the playoffs, let alone the cup final. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I just I like to I like to see what kind of crowds we get starting in the first round and moving all the way to the finals. And that's why I love the first round the most, man, because there's there's two or three games a night. And you and get, the Leafs are playing still. Yeah, now the Leafs. Yeah, now <laughs> the Leafs are playing, so it's even better. But I don't know. I think we've had this talk before, dude. Like I, I obviously want the Leafs to make it every year, and I want them to win every year. But if I'm looking back at it in hindsight, it was so much more. Like it was, it was stress free when the Leafs weren't in. Leafs are out. They're fucking terrible. Here come the playoffs, and it was just a clean slate, and I could just watch. But then now the Leafs are in, and I can't just watch anymore. It's all about the Leaf game, and okay, I got to get ready for the Leafs to play tonight, and I would miss other games because the Leafs are playing. So obviously, if I had my choice, I want the Leafs to be in, but at the same time, it still was fun watching the playoffs when they are not in. Yeah, I feel like as it's gone on a little bit, my my level of engagement has dropped off, but I think and my level of interest you know, I'm still following it and everything. And, you know, I've, I've probably watched, you know, a handful of games probably in the last couple of rounds um, outside watching highlights and shit. But, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Raptors, you know? Oh, for sure. And and I, I always kind of have that jump. attitude, you know, oh, Leafs are out, summer starts, I can start doing yard work again. And like, <laughs> I get busy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. as a summer schedule, everything changes, right? Yeah, it's true though, because in the springtime, there is a lot of fucking shit to do, man. There's yeah. a lot of shit to do. And now, like, if the Leafs are going to go on a deep run, let's go. You have to get yourself prepared, as I do, and all of our Leaf listeners have to get themselves prepared for a time in your life when it's June 4th, 
And the Leafs are still playing hockey. And you haven't even raked a lick of shit out of your backyard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause you, would, <laughs> are you like, what would you do? You would need them to sweep in like the second round to have any free time. To have any free time. Because every second day, basically, and like, and it's just uh, the beers and all that. Jeez. And every other day, it's 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 getting over your hangover. Either you're mad, yeah, yeah. either you're mad that they lost, or you're pumped that, that they won, and you probably have a headache. Yeah, oh, from yeah. all the drinking and all the yelling. Uh, that'd be a tough grind for the fans, just as much as the players. No, uh, no <laughs> doubt. By the way, I just breezed over it when I said June fourth. Obviously, uh, must wish my gorgeous fiance a happy twenty eighth birthday. Happy birthday, babe. I know she tunes in, so she'll be uh, excited to to see that uh, I remembered. I remembered all day. I gave her a big Facebook post, but you know what I didn't do, Lesko? I didn't get her like a, a cake and candles, and I learned the hard way that that's really the only thing she enjoys. That's but all she wanted was a cake and candles, and you didn't give her that. And I didn't give it. Well, live and learn, buddy. However, of course, as you know, and some of our listeners probably do, she's away at school, so... We only got to see each other the weekend before her birthday, which was this oh, past so weekend. That's, your, that's my excuse. That's your excuse. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't your birthday. You know, I'm like, right? You, why celebrate your birthday when it hasn't even happened yet? At least, <laughs> at least if we're celebrating it belated, you're you're 28. We can't celebrate your 28th birthday if you're 27. That's not going to fly. I also it didn't fly by the way. <laughs> and I also tried to get out of it by saying I got you a dog. We got a uh, puppy. Yeah. We got that a puppy. That should count for everything. That should count for a fucking birthday cake and 28 candles. Maybe Christmas too. Maybe. Oh, nice. <laughs> Fuck, you just outed me there. You could have told me that off the air. Maybe. All right. uh, it wouldn't fly, trust me. All right. So happy birthday, Kier. Um, Love you. And thanks for being supportive of me and tuning into every episode. That's very supportive. Yeah, it is. All right. Where are we headed? <laughs> where are we going uh, I guess we'll go a little bit into some news and notes from around the NHL. Um Probably the most interesting of which was that Kuznetsov video that <laughs> surfaced. Uh, feel feel pretty bad for the guy because somebody clearly sewered him hard. Like I don't know if it's a drug dealer or whoever it was, but for those of you who may have not seen it, I'm pretty sure it's still out there. But so it's him sitting there on his phone in a hotel room. There's some bitty passed out on the bed, Woo. and some guys sitting like at this small table with him. Um, filming him and while while he sits there on his phone, there's a couple lines of cocaine cut up onto the table. Um, he doesn't do it or anything in the video, and they're not talking. He doesn't say anything, but it looks like a a sneakily filmed like thirty second clip. Yeah. Now, my question is: Is somebody trying to blackmail him? Because who the fuck is trying to blackmail a Russian hockey superstar? Because if he was, he's probably dead by now. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> right? Like these, you're not gonna fuck with somebody's buddies with Putin. Yeah, your yeah mind. true, true. I mean, it, you know, I only really thought of it now as you were mentioning that. I'm wondering if like this is a scenario where let's say Adam Lesko recorded the video and then he said, listen, I don't want to get myself killed. So I'm going to send it to you, Josh Coleman. And then Josh Coleman says to Evgeny Kuznetsov, man, listen, I saw this fucking video and I heard that, you know, someone's going to try and get money out of you, 50 grand to to, to delete it. What do you do if you're Kuznetsov? I don't know. I figure he has guys for that. <laughs> but like, I just if you're, feel... if you're a professional athlete, like you got people to take care of this kind of stuff. Right. For but you, then the video would have never surfaced. 
I if suppose. it was taken care of. Yeah. But so obviously he was probably like, no, I didn't do it. So fuck you. I don't. Or care maybe he also said, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what you do. Yeah, I'll see you later. See, yeah, I'm not giving you. So 50 allegedly, grand. Um, when his I was it through his agent, he responded and indicated that it was from the year before after they won the cup in Vegas. Is where they said it. This took place allegedly. Yeah, that surprises nobody. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what surprises nobody is that a multi-million-dollar professional athlete may or may not be doing cocaine or be around people who are doing cocaine. Yeah. So where are you on the whole thing? I mean, do you think he did it? I do. I, like, oh yeah, I don't probably, care. Probably, either. and I don't care exactly. No. And you know what? Like, the league is gonna, the team's gonna slap him on the wrist, obviously, and the as they should. And the league might inquire about like, hey, is not a problem for you or anything like that. Yeah. Because they're obliged obligated to do that to and the, the PA and everything has to look yeah. out for their guys and all that kind of stuff. But so I mean this is this is way more common than people probably think. Oh for and, sure. And if you don't think so, you're pretty naive, I'm yeah. gonna say. It's not just Wade Redden and Ray Emery back in the day no. at Pub one oh one doing rails. Exactly. That's every <laughs> that's every team, every player. Yeah. Not every player, but every team, bunch of players. But here's my biggest thing before we move on. If I like how Kuznetsov is sticking by his guns, okay? I'll, I like that. But I don't know, man. Why are you right in front of it? Why are you sitting right in front of it? Why are you sitting? Why are you, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who didn't do cocaine and never does and never will, why are you the closest human being to the cocaine? And there appears to be two people there, and I think there was two lines on the yeah. table, like it's him and whoever's filming. Yeah, and the smoke show laying on the table has no idea, yeah. doesn't care. She she's wasn't sleeping. doing any, she's, she's sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that was my thing. Listen, I've been in the room when people were doing cocaine, okay? Do you think I was directly in front of the cocaine? No, because I wasn't doing it. So, like, the cocaine was over there in the corner. Like, okay, fine. Those guys over there, some of them I didn't even know. I'm at a fucking hotel party. They're over there doing cocaine. I went to go to the bathroom, and someone's doing cocaine in the fucking bathroom. (laughs) Like, okay, am I I guilty now because I'm right near it? No. Um, Am I able to move forward and say, yeah, listen, I, I didn't do that. I don't do that. Yes, I can say that. But... He definitely said it because he could, right? <laughs> because there was be... no proof that he was actually doing it, right. so he might as well say, I didn't. True, true. Right? But From I mean, a PR standpoint, I believe that's what you do in that situation. If I, Yeah, you're right. But if I'm not doing it, I'm also not sitting directly in front of it. No, that's of all I'm not. thinking. I know it sounds like a weird argument. Holy fuck, Coleman, now you're the master of the chairs and the seating arrangement. No, I'm <laughs> just saying like he was sitting there. That was clearly his seat. You could see he's on his phone. He's leaned forward. That's where he was sitting. Why is he three feet away from the cocaine if someone else was using it. Like, it would have been someone else sitting there. So anyway, moving right along, Evgeny Kuznetsov probably likes the smell of cocaine, and this is news to nobody. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably just using it so he could flap his bird wings and fly right out of that hotel. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, he does the bird dance all the time, right? There you go. All right, what do we got next here? Uh, We got Tyler coming up shortly, but we can uh, touch on a few more things. What do you want? I don't know. You want to talk Leafs or you want to talk about all this uh, business NHL bullshit? Well, we can do the uh, – We can. Do, you mean the State of the Union? I want to glaze over the one topic that stood up for me the most with that Batman thing, the State of the Union league thing he does prior to the finals, was that the biggest topic was the officiating. Yeah. That's a bad thing for the NHL. Of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. But I think it was a good thing for the league 
because the league is is the bad guy here because the the the, the officials have not been great. Well, and people are picking apart the uh, the review systems that, and the hand that are in pass. Place. You yeah, know, like it, the hand pass was pretty egregious. Yeah, really and bad. That really exposed a term that's been thrown around for years in hockey, but it's the not a non reviewable play. Yeah. We can't review if this happened or not, which I believe. If the NHL makes the right move, won't exist anymore. You'll never hear that as an explanation ever again because it doesn't make any sense, and it especially doesn't make sense if you're a casual fan of the game. Yeah, you're right. You tune in, and you're like, hey, I didn't think you could do that. Well, you can't. Okay, but then how come it, How come the goal counted? Well, because you can't review yeah. it. <laughs> so you, you can review if a guy's skate is two centimeters offside, but you can't review that blatant hand a blatant pass, hand pass or yeah. whatever. A fucking yeah. volleyball pass. No, I, and, and I'm not sure which way they're going to go, but I, I really believe that the way to solve that problem is giving the referees the, the discretion to to basically to review whatever the fuck they want yes. when they want to do it. Yes. Just, it it's like soccer is funny because soccer is like – a game that's been the same forever, right? Yeah. Baseball's pretty similar in that too. Whereas there's very seldom rule changes well, in the sport. Well, baseball's changed recently. But like but... soccer ad- adopted VAR, video replay, and they use it whenever. Whenever they have to or whenever something appeared to, you know, that looked like there was a, a bad foul and they yeah, need yeah. to look at it or, you know, anything, offsides, whatever. But they ba- use it at their discretion. But baseball and basketball are good examples of why it will hurt because there's too many times where they're going to the booth in and both of those sports. That, and those are two slower-paced sports. And he, yeah, they're, they're slow sure. to begin with. Yeah, there's a lot of whistles, there's a lot of stoppages. So I think with the NHL, you know, you're, you're not going to, uh, unless it's something like that re- requires a whistle, I don't think they're going to be stopping the play to do a review. Yeah. It'll come at the next possible whistle. See, I always, I've always just been a fan of don't have challenges for anything just just that make, would be the other part just make take, the, ri- take get yeah, rid of those get rid of the challenges completely and just give every single goal that is scored to the video room in toronto so if you think about by the time a guy shoots the puck into the net and the horn goes off and they all celebrate then they skate over and they do the fist bumps and they go tap the goalie and then they put a new line on the ice and then the new line comes up to center ice. The referee puts his hand in the air. What are we talking? Probably a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, probably about two minutes. You're telling me that the league can't look at that goal real quick and be like, yeah, that's good. Go. Yeah. Like, they've got to do like a seamless way. But I think the ref has to make the call at the end of the day. So they're going to have to basically call, call in and say, Hey, you know, and the flag down the guy in the box, penalty box, wherever flags down the official. Says the league's on the horn. They want you to watch this. Like, yeah, yeah. Send them the clips they need to see so that they can make that call. Oh, I see. So you're yeah. not you're not circumventing the referees. So you know, and people get all conspiracy like, oh, guys in Toronto didn't want that to count. Oh, like you yeah. know, all that kind. But of you're bullshit. always going to have that regardless of what. I happens. think so. I always. think so. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'd like to keep the the decision making in the hands of the officials. And like I said, if they're able to review everything, you're giving them the power. Yeah to correct a mistake like that, you know, for instance, that hand pass, they could have been like, okay, we've clearly got to review this. Yeah. You know, it, we got the whole team yelling at us. And I, I, I know that it shouldn't be as driven by the players on the ice, but it's It's that's going to happen for yeah. sure. Right. They're, they're going to be like, I, I miss some same ways. The ref goes, I'm going to go talk to the linesman, but you're just going to go talk to an iPad instead. Yeah. It's no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's like, okay, the ref is standing at center ice. The goal just happened. The lights are still going off. You know, the fucking crowd's cheering everything. I got my hand in the air and I'm looking over there at the penalty box area where there's a red light. As soon as that light goes off, I'm dropping the puck. 
if that light turns green, then we got a problem. The league is telling me that I can't drop the puck right now. Something is happening. So I will skate over. And every, but you know what, dude? In a year, everyone will be on board with how that works. Goal scored. I'm going to fucking stare at that red light. The media, the TV, NBC, TSN, Sportsnet, they're all going to be like, oh, geez, boys, this one should be a hand pass. I bet you the league is going to be reviewing this. And then, boom, the light goes green, and everyone in the building and everyone at home knows that this one's coming back. Right. This one's coming back because of such and such. And then you'll have guys like Pierre Maguire, Mike Johnson, Ray Ferraro, the guys in between the benches. They're going to be the guys that are like, guys, I think this one's going to come back because it was kicked in. It came across the crease and you can clear. There it is right there. You can clearly see the kicking motion. And then you get a chance to look at that on the replay. The defending team is going ape shit. And the referee is like, guys, it's out of my control. If the league calls down, we will look at it. Oh, look, they just fucking called down. It's only going to take 90 seconds. Yeah. And let's be honest here too. I know this was a really egregious one in a terrible time and, and, um, you know, San Jose ended up losing the series. We got to remember that as well. But this is another. Hopefully, it doesn't end up another time. Whereas, like the Matt Duchesne outside, we end up with a huge overcorrection. <laughs> and this yeah. is going to be complicated because some change that we're even proposing right now is going to involve changing a lot of rules. True. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I still expect them to be a little more incremental with the change, even though they've been bold and been bold with things in the past. Because that um, they also like to trial things in the AHL as well. So I wouldn't expect any immediate changes for next year, but it could come uh, in and around, say, you know, the following year CBA time. Uh, that's when a lot of these things come up because. Sometimes it's more of a you know player-driven issue than it is an ownership-driven issue. True. At the end of the day, I think you're going to be right with the iPad because that's where the other leagues are. The other leagues yeah. are, okay, we're going to look at the iPad, not yeah. someone else. We're going to go over and look at it. Yeah, so. they're just like, we, we want to look at it, right? Yeah. Like, we, we got to check this out. And, you know, it, it'll just save them the embarrassment of being like, well, didn't see it. You know? and Why don't you stop having commercial breaks at set times? You don't need to have a commercial break at the at the 5 and 10 and 5 minute mark or 15. 5, 10, 15 minute mark of the period. Why don't you do away with the scheduled timeouts for commercial and just go to commercial whenever the fuck you want? Like they do in football. Right. Right? Just football football just whenever. goes to commercial whenever they want, don't yeah. they? I guess the biggest difference with hockey too is that... Um, the flow. The, the, the flow, the, yeah. the continuous play. They've got to be kind of like... We may only get a couple of times, a few times to place commercials in, during this period. True, so. true. Anyway, but um, you want to hammer out some quick leaves? We got some time for that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I wanted to actually uh, bring up, just only because you talked about it in labor negotiations in the CBA. Um, did you read it? Did you, did you uh, see any of that from the, uh, from the State of the Union, from Bettman and Daly? I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't catch any of that stuff, so I'll let you take away. So, well, they said that their Daly confirmed that the league is open to discussions to begin at any time. Uh, the NHLPA executive director, Donald Fear, was in attendance for the State of the Union and was asked afterwards, and he reported that the PA is also open to discussions to begin any time. So, so why aren't they doing it Okay, then? but listen, though. What I, what I uh, read uh, in the hockey news, a, a source very close to the negotiations for the CBA was quoted as saying that he believes starting the negotiations too early can actually hinder the process. So instead of, instead of saying like, okay, man, I have 48 hours to write this essay and get it in. If I start writing it 48 days in advance, 
my work isn't going to be as good necessarily as it will be if I'm under pressure to perform and get it done. Now, I know a lot of people listening are like, that's terrible. You know, <laughs> I, I used to do all my schoolwork early, but I kind of see where he's coming from, though. He's saying as far as nego- maybe the essay is a bad example because you have to work hard at the essay. But as far as negotiations are concerned, if me and you need to negotiate something before January 1st, do we really have to do it right now? No, but no. I've always complained about this and, and in previous years about how long they wait to actually sit down. And then if there ends up a big point of contention, um, somebody's not going to end up happy because they're either going to try and hammer some out just for the sake of getting back on the ice or it's going to cause a, another, yeah, I see what you uh, mean. There, there's uh, going to be, stoppage, a, there's right? going to be a winner and a loser, right? Like it seems that that tactic is, hasn't proven or that perspective, I guess that idea hasn't really proven itself in previous years because that's been, I think a complaint of mine is that how late they actually go to sit down to, yeah. to, to hammer these out. And you're thinking about how complicated they are. Oh my God. Have you seen the CBA? No, I, I, I've never even bothered. Oh looking my at God. It. You should see how big it is. Even reading articles on it. It's like, I've read some like primers and stuff, yeah, and yeah. even that's just it's real hard. You should it's, just, it's a fight. You, you should just open the the Adobe Acrobat whatever PDF of the fucking league yeah. CBA. It is insanely massive. Like I work in insurance, so you as you can imagine, some of our wordings are pretty extensive in like policies, like the fine print and stuff. Right. But this CBA is ridiculous. I think the table of contents is like a hundred pages long. Ooh. Just to break down what page you go to to talk about advertisements and stuff like that. But one last one before we move on. It's very interesting. It's going to be an interesting fall, Lesko, because the excuse me, the CBA runs through the 2020 season. However, the both the league and the players' association have the option to opt out of the CBA effective 2020 and i was wrong the first time it goes through 2022 the current cba goes to 2022 but either side has an option to terminate uh, said agreement effective september of 2020 so what's going to happen let's go is this fall this september on september 1st the league has a choice either to terminate or continue and then 14 days later on september 15th the players association will have their opportunity to either terminate or continue so what's going to happen is this fall either the nhl or the pa is going to terminate it's going to happen that's an understood it's going to happen and it's not being terminated because because they want to lock out it's just being terminated so that they can renegotiate so they can open it up they can open it up open it up now however however if they open it up and it fucking fails then yes, we have a lockout effective 2020 and Seattle will join the league and be locked out in their first ever season. Probably some pretty angry investors right there. I don't think that's going to happen to be honest with you. I really, I really, really don't. Could they sue the NHL and the PA for that? Well, no, I bet you, I bet you there's fucking fine print. Well, I was wondering when they, when they signed up for this, did they go like, Hey, if there's a lockout, like, I wonder if there's some clause in there, like Seattle was like given some kind of assurance. I don't know. It could be compensation. Yeah, maybe. Financially, there could be compensation, but it's, it's just important to note. And we probably won't touch on this again, let's say until early September or late August, let's say when these talks actually start ramping up because i'm i'm 
interested to see what the backlash is going to be from the casual fan that assumes that there's a lockout. And I bet you sounds terrible. Some (laughs) fans are going to think that that the upcoming season is locked out. You know what I'm saying? Like if they wake up in the morning and they open up TSN or Facebook or whatever, and they see NHL uh, exercises opt out of current CBA, they're going to lose their shit. They're going to think that the current season coming in less than a month is going to be terminated, but that's not the case. It's just the final season of that agreement. And then they have to renegotiate. So there's going to be a lot of uh, arms up in the air. I think uh, in September of of this year, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting finish to an even more interesting off-season, dude, because there are a lot of things going on. Did you hear about the Carlson thing today, by the way? Yeah, which I'm not sure I entirely buy it. He's not going so back to the Ottawa. The story that is that something leaked that he was apparently considering going back to Ottawa. No. Now, is Ottawa just putting that out there to like give their fans some false hope or something? Oh, yeah, we tried. Just like they said, they tried to retain him and sign him before they had traded him. Well, they traded him because they didn't want to give him a competitive offer. Well, that's what I thought. Right? So where's this Where's this competitive offer going to yeah. come from? And I never know what they're thinking or doing over there. I'm not buying into the Ottawa thing at all. Montreal, for sure. For you sure, think so? Sure. Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's got to be a, something on his side, whether it be like his wife. Uh, maybe she wants to return a little closer to home. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I don't think you can really rule out San Jose either. I think they. I don't think that they would have taken him on without thinking that they could make it work moving forward. Yeah, I believe that they're going to take a hefty run at him for sure. So yeah, there's he's he's going to be one of uh, many interesting players to watch uh, this off season. We will uh, catch up with Tyler on some other players uh, that are going to be interesting to watch this off season. A little bit of uh, talk yesterday about Patrick Line and whether he wants to stick around in Winnipeg. It's just it's all media driven, but. What what really gets the the fish hook into my cheek, let's go, is who you're talking about. And when we rhyme off the list of players that are going to have an interesting offseason, it is a who's who of a fucking all-star team. So this is going to be one of those off-seasons, I think, that instead of going by super fucking slowly, is probably going to go by quickly. Because every day I'm going to be wondering if so-and-so has been given a contract yet. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, uh, a lot of RFAs, a lot of UFAs, uh and it seems to be a lot of personnel movement as, as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of coaching uh, coaching moves. Just um, you know, the playoffs aren't even over, and there's been several hirings and firings. Yeah. since the end of the regular season, um, one of them being uh, our old buddy DJ Smith, who got picked up in Ottawa. Right, uh, more connections provincially there. Yeah, Melnick loving the D. Very interesting, and you know, <laughs> it, it, apparently it was you know it was. DJ's goal the entire time to work his way up to a head coaching position. Um, I think that's the goal of a lot of guys, obviously. Yeah, but, so good for him. But uh, I thought it was ironic that, you know, here's Melnick criticizing the Leafs' defense, and then the guy who runs the D in the PK is now their head coach. So how bad could it have been there, Eugene? Like, what, did, what did Melnick say? Kyle, quote-unquote, no D. I know. Dubis. What a dick we Or no, wait, sorry, that wasn't Eugene. That was Jack. Ripper. Oh yeah, yeah. The the the, the well, it was Eugene's burner account. I know it was. <laughs> I know it was. Oh, yeah. Like that's gonna be one of those episodes of this show, dude. That like if we've been, if it's five years down the road and we're still doing this fucking podcast, I'm probably gonna like enjoy going back to listening <laughs> to that episode when what was his Jack Maxwell. 
Yeah, yeah. When when Jack Maxwell surfaced and it was just the greatest thing that anyone has ever given media people, and I'm including ourselves in that. I know we're not media, like we can't go get fucking press passes. Maybe we could, but we don't. <laughs> but we, we talk about it though. We talk about hockey and we put it out there for other people to listen to. When that happened, it was just a blessing from the fuck, a gift from the gods to talk about Jack Maxwell for the next 48 hours. It was It was amazing. wonderful. I love I and mean, Ottawa's been feeding us content all season long. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's why that's why we could go 34 straight episodes just so much Senators content. You are right. Um it's pretty cool though uh to catch DJ Smith on uh TSN 1050. So he did uh call an interview to there and I was like, "You know what? This is the first time I've ever heard this guy's voice." Cuz the True, in Toronto yeah. the assistant coaches don't do any media. None of that in between the period stuff where you might hear from them or yeah. no, it's, it's yeah, right. Mike Babcock is the spokesperson of that team. And if it's not Babcock, it's Dubas. And if it ain't Dubas, it's Shanahan. Yeah, and you're right. And it, it. it's not really Shanahan unless some big shit's going on. I, it was interesting to, to learn a lot about DJ Smith because I know jack shit about him. True, you me know, neither. But they, these two guys have been assistant coaches here as long as Babcock has. Uh, they're going to be in Hillier. Um, don't know a goddamn thing about them. No, not at we, all. You don't hear from them and nobody talks about them. It's just like they're not even there. So are you, like as a Leaf fan now, a little not off topic, but just kind of shooting one at you from left field now that we're talking about these guys. Are you as a Leaf fan anticipating or expecting massive changes to the way that the defensive structure is for the team and or the penalty kill for the team i think some of that's going to be driven by personnel uh you know uh, we talked about it before but it appears there's going to be uh some pretty uh interesting changes coming personnel wise going into next season Uh, but I, i do see them drawing up some different things and i mean you can't go in with the same game plan as you did last year. I mean, you have to continue to, to learn and evolve. And I think that's built into the Leafs philosophy. So, you know, I'd be shocked if, if things didn't change on that front and for what, next season. What would your reaction be if you saw DJ Smith move on to a team like Ottawa? Let's be honest here. I don't think there's a whole lot of expectations for the team. I think that's a tough position for a brand new head coach. Now I know that he's been in the league, but he has never had a head coaching position. Those are the jobs you get. Unfortunately, when you're that guy, somebody's, you know, I know he was, he was pretty sought after, but think about it in the grand scheme of things. A lot of the guys hired prior to him were vets, right? You know, I'm obviously going to be more desired than himself. But how do you, how do you prove your worth in a season where you're going to lose? The players have to like you. That's pretty much the, the brass stacks of it I all, guess, right? eh? Yeah. They've got to like you. The, the reviews have to be good. But that doesn't you, you mean know? you're going to win. No, no, and you probably won't. I mean, like you said, the expectations aren't going to be there to win. You're not going to be based so much on your winning output. And more so as, do we see progression in our guys like Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat? And are they happy with the way things are being run? Right. Exit you know? meetings and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that. that's going to carry a lot of weight for a guy. Man, it's going to be a very interesting season yeah. next year. I can't wait. This one's not even over yet. I fucking can't wait till next season already. Yeah, so the Leafs actually um, quickly announced shortly thereafter that they were bringing in former Panthers assistant coach Paul McFarland. Uh, so he actually ran Florida's number two ranked power play last season. So that kind of helps out, I guess, and address what we we thought was a need and we really didn't think was going to be after, you know, the power play lit it up early in the season yeah. kind of fell off a cliff eventually the slap pass. Yeah. The old, <laughs> yeah. And no, uh, no JVR for the redirects no, either. Right. No, 
But uh, yeah, and, and something I thought was interesting is he, he really likes to stack the first unit, but he also likes to give the bulk of the minutes, which seems like that would be appropriate for in our situation. I know we well, complained about that a lot. It's appropriate for many teams very similar to us uh, well, with our situation. It appears that a lot of teams do that too. So, but anyway, we won't get too deep into that. Um, on a on a player personnel front, though, there was some very interesting news emerging out of end of last week and over the course of the weekend that uh, Nikita Zaitsev has basically said he wants out. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, so it was very curious to me that we're entering an offseason where we've been able to look into the future for two years and say, this is the year that we're going to need to alleviate ourselves of cap space. And who are the two most prominent cap eaters that we would like to move on from right now? Nikita Zaitsev and Patrick Marlowe. And why is it just, is it honestly just coincidental that the two contracts that we would most love to get away from are the two guys that come out and say, I don't want to be here anymore? Like, well, Zaitsev said that. Marlowe did not. But I, I don't know if it's been indicated privately that he, I don't think he's the type of guy to be like, I want out of here. I think it's more like I am open to going elsewhere because his family moved back to San Jose this during the season. They bought, they bought, oh. sold their house in Toronto and moved back to San Jose. Apparently, not a great t- t- transition. I mean, they'd lived there their whole entire life. So no more right? babysitting for Marner and I guess not. Yeah, no more babysitting <laughs> duties. But uh, yeah, so it, it appears that he's open to that, and I thought that was interesting news. And I mean, what a good guy. I guess at the end of the day that he's willing to work with the Leafs to find a suitable trading partner because he has a full no move as far as I know. Yeah, he does. I, so so he's got to okay whatever trade, but clearly he's he's working with the Leafs. I think that this has been I think this has been the plan from the moment that he signed on the dotted line. Okay, man, we'll give you the 3 years because no one else will. But you're not going to play here. Which is the same reason why no one else will give you a 3-year deal. No one else is giving you a 3-year deal. You're going to come here because we actually think that there is a chance that we could win. We're not expecting to win, but the team is good enough to fucking maybe win. So you can come here and play for two years, and then we're moving you. Which is why his salary, and and I'm a key word there, I'm talking salary, not cap hit. His salary is only 1.25. Yeah, his salary, the real money's small. so So, So he gets like an $8 million signing bonus by the Leafs. And then his AAV is six million, but his actual salary, which is paid by the team, is like one point two five. So if he were to go to a team like Arizona or some other team that needs to get to the cap floor, that's a perfect way to get to the floor. Your owner is going to give you a huge Christmas bonus if you told him <laughs> that, hey, I just traded for Patrick Marlowe. Oh my God, don't we have to pay him six mil? No, actually, we only have to pay him one point two five. But yeah. he counts. He counts. Against our cap for six million, your boss is going to give you a fucking car for Christmas, guaranteed. Makes him a lot more movable, and exactly, and, uh, I believe he's owed a, a decent bonus as of July first. So That's I would what expect I was about. to yeah, see like that uh, such a trade take place sometime after that, after the Leafs have paid that bonus. Um, so, and, and and the other interesting part to consider here as well is that I believe these two contracts are two contracts that Kyle Dubas might not have signed. You know, right. like, I don't think he, he, I know these are Lamorello's contracts and I, I just don't believe he would have, 
he would have signed these deals. He wouldn't have inked these deals. No, yeah. I don't think so. And so Zaitsev's a little bit of a different story. So there seems to be a little bit more demand out there for Zaitsev, which some people are saying, oh, there's no way to be able to get rid of him. But like he's a right-hand defenseman. He's experienced top four. I'm not saying he's best suited to that. He's serviceable. He, But he's a serviceable defenseman, um, you know, he's not going to be a situation like Marlowe where I think you're going to have to give up a major asset to get rid of him. I think there'll be enough interest in a guy like Zaitsev that you should be able to move him for something something reasonable. At the end of the day, you are trying to shed cap and teams might try and take advantage of that. But it looks like if they're able to pull off these two moves, we're going to be a lot more comfortable and it does open up money to potentially bring, uh, bring in a defenseman if necessary, maybe make an attempt at signing Gardner at a... You know, a reasonable deal. Fuck that. We need a backup. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need that too. But I, I don't that, know bro. how much money they're going to budget for that. Yeah, but it needs to be budgeted for, man. They were talking about this on Overdrive the other day, and they were making the greatest points in the fucking world, man. Yaro Halak, who plays for the Bruins, got 20-some games this year, 25 games or whatever it was. And the main reason why the Bruins got home ice advantage in the first round against the Leafs was because of Yarrow Halak and the wins that he gave the Bruins. Yep. We did not have that. We did not have a backup capable of giving us any fucking wins. So we need like probably two mil. We need two mil somewhere to give to a backup goalie because is it really that important to shore up the defense and make a huge splash on someone when we could have gotten an extra eight to 12 points if we had a serviceable backup who didn't let in six fucking goals because the team can score dude. So with, with new assistant coaches in there and hopefully a new power play and Babcock being able to adapt and change and stop doing some of the fucking things that he's (laughs) been doing that has been hindering the team from advancing. If we can rectify some of those things and these are not major things, dude, these are small things. These are play Matthews things. These are play Taveras things, you know, stop putting fucking Connor Brown, on the ice right now. We don't need Connor Brown on the ice right now. Mike, he doesn't have to play. Like those are things that I I think are easily solvable. Um, And you'll be able to see our stars play like stars. And like you said, the overloading that first line power play and giving them a minute and 35 seconds of opportunity to score instead all the puck gets shot down the ice. Oh, you have to change. Like it's not that way for most other teams. Why does it have to be that way for for ours? Like our team is one of the, one of the more talented teams in this league and they should be playing that way. I think we're going to see that finally starting this upcoming October. And I think because of that, we're going to be able to play a backup goaltender against some of the other teams that aren't just on back-to-backs, dude. We need to get away from that too. There's only like, what, 12 back-to-backs a year? 12, 14 back-to-backs a year? That's not enough games to give Freddie off, man. And we talked about it before too, that with the way the game is played now, with the volume of shots and the quality of shots that are uh, are goalies are having to deal with now um it, it just you're not going to be able there won't be brodeurs and stuff playing you know 60 plus games now are there a few guys in the league who are, who are capable of doing that for sure and but i think the the lesson here is and you know we always say it's a copycat league right uh you look at both bennington and tuka rask uh, what was it under fifty starts? I exactly for yeah. both of them. Uh, it's a, it's the old Kawhi load management yeah. principle. Yeah, so exactly. start load managing those goalies there. <laughs> take uh, take a page out of Masai's book there, Kyle, and we'll, we'll see if hey, we can figure something and out. And I mean that guy's been doing wonders for the Raps. Absolutely, where they are so. 
Dubis is doing wonders for the Leafs, and we're going to be there soon. What I love about it, dude, is you got like the Raps being in the finals and doing amazing, and then whether they win or not, hopefully they do, but maybe next year it could be the Leafs, dude, and then we could see like a, an extended June with maybe the Raps and the Leafs playing. That would be fucked. And- it would blow the roof off the that whole city. That would be city. fucked. They that city would be insane right they now. They would not be able to have both of those teams play on the same night. And that turnout I saw down at the the Jurassic Park oh, there crazy. was insane, man. Yeah, crazy people. Apparently, they had 30,000 30, in yeah. Mississauga Alone, watching yes. the game at the at a viewing party. I know. So. Isn't that fucking crazy, man? Wow. They, had, they had like Pembroke and Petawawa were there. Yeah. <laughs> watching, it's insane. watching the games. All right, man. We want to get, uh, get out of here and get Tyler teed up. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So let's get out here. We'll uh, we'll take a quick uh, fiver here. We'll let uh, we'll let Archie out. See if he's got to take a piss. I think I saw him take a piss over there in the other room earlier, which yeah. I like. He went outside. He was trying to tell me, "Hey, man, I got to go for a pee. Let me out." The most devastating thing I think I figured out when I first got my first puppy was when I learned they twelve or they pee twelve to fourteen times a day. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, How the fuck am I supposed to deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> Like I told you earlier when you first came in, though, like, it's not that much, you know? Like No, it's a little, little puddle here and there, puddle. but it's when they get a little bigger, though. Yeah. And, like, I think the last few times my, my most recent puppy was peeing in the house. Like, it was it was a lot. Like, a he lot. peed on his bed once and it was, it was fucking ruined. <laughs> so <laughs> Ruined. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll wrap it up. We're going to be back in about a couple minutes here with a uh, friend of the show, Tyler Mataraz from Sirius NHL Radio. Don't go away. All right, we're back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast, and we're teeing up our phone call here with friend of the show, uh, Tyler Mataraz. Tyler, as uh, everyone knows, I've uh, been listening to the pod here. Uh, Tyler's a utility guy down at Sirius NHL Radio, uh, Sirius XM Channel 91. And uh, Tyler, thanks for joining us again. I, I wanted right off the bat, I want to know, Lesko and I want to know, uh, it, obviously it's your job to watch hockey, but how much Raptors have you been getting into lately? Yeah, so uh, I obviously do watch hockey every single night that it's on, but uh, I wouldn't call myself like a diehard Raptors fan, but like the only NBA I'll watch during the regular season are Raptors games. Obviously, I'm from Toronto, but uh, I've been watching mostly every game. Like, had to miss one of the games because I had my own hockey, but other than that, like, it's the playoffs, it's the NBA Finals, man. Like, been watching pretty much everything. Do you watch right from tip off? Yeah, I usually do. Not in the regular season. That's right. like, uh, I won't lie to you. Like in the regular season, if I can just tune in for the second half, I'm cool with that. But uh, for the NBA Finals and pretty much for the entirety of the playoffs, I've been uh, watching most of those Raps games. They're they're exciting. They are exciting. I was I was impressed with Lesko. He told me that he watches from tip off, and uh, same with same as you. Not always during the regular season, but even now in the playoffs, I know it's exciting and everything, but like, I still have things to do. And I think to myself, okay, I can get it. I can get it for the second half. Like I still feel like I'm not missing a ton. If I miss the first half of a basketball game, maybe that's wrong, but that's just how I feel. No, you're really not. Like, that's why I don't really watch it in the regular season, but in the finals, especially like there are some important moments. And especially if you're a, if you're actually cheering for one of the teams, like the raps, like you'll kind of want to watch it, but, like, the other day, I missed a bit of the first quarter, and I kind of felt behind, you know? Oh, I see. Okay. What's it doing for the city, Ty? I mean, you're you're right down. You got you must have a finger on the pulse. What's it doing for the city, the businesses, the fans, the residents? Yeah, have you been out and about for any of the games? or? Yeah, no, I, I'm not, like, a Jurassic Park goer, for sure. Like, I don't live too far from there, but uh, 
I'm more of a sit on my couch or, or Jay Con's couch and, and watch the games. But uh, downtown's pretty crazy. Like, even just driving home from work, like, uh, our, our studios aren't that far from uh, ACC, as we still call it. But uh, businesses look crazy. Like, you drive by bars now uh, on a game night, and, like, it's absolutely packed. And it's crazy. Like, it, a lot of people have been asking me, like, even Boomer asked me the other day, like, we were just chatting, having a chat off air, and he's like, you think, like, if the Leafs were ever in the finals like this, like, or he's like, what did he say? He's like, in a high school right now, like, if the Leafs were in the playoffs compared to the Raptors being in the final right now, where there'd be more Raptors gear or Leafs gear. And we both said kids nowadays would have more Raps gear. Like, it's crazy to think, but they would. Yeah, and I wonder if a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of, and this has been a bit of a story throughout the the NBA playoffs, but the, the di- diversity of the, of the fan base of the Raptors. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a very, uh, quite the reflection of what the city of Toronto really is. And it's, it's, you know, it's huge multicultural city. Yeah, no, for sure. And and that's why there's a lot of Raptors fans everywhere in the GTA, but, uh, they're, they're kind of superseding the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. And especially if the Leafs keep getting eliminated in the first round, or even if they make it to the second round next year, let's say, and get knocked out, like Toronto slowly, but surely, is becoming that Raptors city, and I never thought it would happen in my lifetime. And uh, I'm a Leafs fan, so I wouldn't like to see that. But it's kind of happening right now. You're gonna eat your words, Ty. That, that you know, you guys talk about this on the on the radio all the time. This is nothing more than recency biased. <laughs> yeah, probably. But like, as uh, as Lesko said, like it's just such a multicultural city, and and like you know what, not a lot of people like hockey because they don't grow up with it and a lot of people moving to the city maybe from other countries that aren't really familiar with hockey and basketball is just such a global sport so it's obviously easier to like but you know what i see both sides josh like if the leafs were in the final like people would would have actually been flipping cars instead of just like jumping on yeah (laughs) top cars and stuff so they did destroy the whole city most likely you think you could get a radio uh, a radio pass, media pass for game game one in the in Toronto for the finals, Ty? You can swing that, eh? For the Leafs? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I probably could. I'd never want to watch a game up there, though, personally. Yeah. True. Oh yeah, because you're in the media box. You just got to sit sit on your hands all game, right? Yeah. Have yeah, you no have you done that before? That. Have you have you spent a game in the press box? So no, like you, you'd think that you'd want to use the, the your capabilities, but. I have absolutely zero interest in watching a game from a press box, and I'm I might be in the minority with that because a lot of guys at our work, a lot of guys who work for bigger companies in sports media, love going to the press box. But I have I literally like games too much to go and do that. See, and I'm a play-by-play guy, so in my like in my deepest dreams, I've dreamt about calling games from the broadcast booth, which is like a bit of a bird's eye view. I, I guess yeah. so. It's totally different. Like if I'm doing play by play, that's obviously oh. way different than actually cheering for some team drinking a beer. Oh, for sure. And play by play, you can actually get passionate too about your calls and whatnot. And you can actually, as a play by play man, like let's take Joe Bowen. Like you can be a fan of the team, right? But if you're just sitting up in the press box watching a game, you can't be a fan. Yeah, I heard they give out some pretty nasty stares to guys who get excited up there. I've, I've heard stories about, you know, Jeff O'Neill being up there and, and losing his cool whenever the Leafs score or something like that in a big game. And, um, you know, I, I can kind of get why if you're if you're a fan first and you want to go to the game as a fan, uh, it's not really the environment you necessarily want to be in. 
No, and you don't want to be in one of those stories because people, they won't forget you the next time you come up in the press box. They're like, oh, look at this. It's this fan. Yeah, yeah I'm a professional guy. Oh, here comes Steve Dangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I guess bringing in hockey here, Tyler, um, you know, what, uh, do you have a team that you think is the favorite after four games here in the finals? Uh, you know, and how much of an impact do you think losing Cheryl was going to have on the Bruins? Oh, like a massive impact, but you know what? Like we're, we're heading towards game five of the cup final. I know it's a broken jaw and, and, and you know what? He's most likely going to not going to play, but like, would you guys be shocked if Chara just like wore that, fishbowl and like somehow played through a broken jaw like if he doesn't play i guess it's not the worst thing like this is not Zdeno Chara when he's like 26 27 years old where he makes a massive impact but without Chara like and without Grizzly still if, you, if you're going into the depths of your your decor and you're into a three-game series now how do you not like the St. Louis Blues at this point but uh, i still call the Bruins the favorite they have uh, two home games remaining and, and you know what, they, they might only play one and then win it in St. Louis if they can win at TD Garden on Thursday. But uh, for me, I like the Bruins going into the final, and I still do like the Bruins barring uh, the injuries. Yeah, you know, you talked about Chera. I think if there's, if there's one player in the league that you could say maybe would come back and play, it would be the, mo- yeah. the monstrous Zidane Chera. It, it would have to be. And, and you know what, I watched the, the slow-mo replay a couple times. Like, it hit him directly in the jawbone like if if it got him more in like the front teeth area and he had to just get dental work like he wouldn't have had a jaw issue but it certainly looks like he broke his jaw like where that puck got him right in the side of the jaw you can be as beastly as char is but uh, any puck going that quick is going to break your jaw yeah and it wasn't even a glancing blow either like it was directly into the jaw and like you said i i thought the the most telling replay for me was after the shot was taken was it was it Tarasenko that took the shot? It was, I think, Braden Shen. Okay, so Shen took the shot, and then another Blues player, I can't remember who it was, his eyes went, like, up to the skies because he knew that it was deflected and he was looking for the puck, and it never came because it didn't go flying in the air. It went flying right into Chara's face. So, like, you can just tell, like, they, they say hockey's a game of inches, and I know Don Cherry would be... I mean, I never saw Coach's Corner. Maybe he was talking about it, but he, you know he's going to be that guy that's like, I fucking told you, never put your stick in front like that. It could go up your face. <laughs> I hate it when he's right because he, right oh, he is right a lot, but he loves to tell you when he's right. Yeah, but every defenseman is going to try to stick check there. And of course. They take, the risk. they take the risk of having the puck deflecting into their own teeth, and it's what happened to Shara. But I was already thinking, like, even if he doesn't play, like if Bruins still win the Cup, how epic would that cup lift be? His second cup lift ever with a broken jaw. Like, that would be an epic photo for him. Yeah, it'd be a wicked picture. And I, I like that your point that you made, Tyler, is I, I don't think I would be surprised if he did manage to squeeze his face into a fishbowl and, and go out and play. And I think part of it is given that his age. I mean, uh, you know, every every game this guy plays at this at this age, was he 42 now? Is is basically a blessing. Like it's it's icing on the cake of an incredible career. True. Yeah. No. You know it really is. And, and you know what? Maybe last year is his last season in the league. As as we know, they signed the extension a couple months back. But uh, Chara doesn't have many more of these opportunities. And I don't know. I I guess maybe he won't play if he has if he has faith in like a Stephen Camper who can come into the lineup. But 
Uh, if he doesn't play, like you're leaning on Charlie McAvoy and Tory Krug like the entire night in Boston. Pretty much, yeah. I'd say they they look a hell of a lot thinner without him. Um, do you have any early con Smythe favorites? Sorry, say that again. Any early con Smythe favorites? Ooh, yeah. Well, if the Bruins win, I got to go to Karask. I think Marshawn leads the the playoffs in points, but like, and it's usually the 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 player that does the best in, in the cup final, which it really shouldn't be. It should be the entirety of the playoffs. But I think just looking at the whole of the playoffs, which I like to do, and you know what, even through four games, like Tuka Rask has been the backbone. He let, him, let a, a couple rebounds out uh, in game four, which he'd probably like back. But I think Tuka Rask has been the best player on the ice for, for either team for the most part. Jordan Biddington's been good. But uh, if it's the Bruins, I'm going Rask. And if it's the Blues, I actually have no clue who it would be. Yeah, because it's difficult to say that it would be Bennington. I know he's been good, but he hasn't been lights out great uh, in this final, has he? So it would be difficult if the Blues won. It's almost by committee, isn't it, for the Blues? Yeah, it kind of is. And up until that absolute shellacking on Saturday night where they lost 7-2, like Tarasenko was on a pretty crazy point streak and ended up scoring the the, ga- the, the game-tying goal, which was the game-tying goal in Game 4. So uh, it has been a team effort, but I guess at the end of the day, if you're kind of thinking down to it, it, it might go to Vlad Tarasenko. I kind of like Ryan O'Reilly, and the reason being is there's been some really clutch moments by him, and I feel if you're going to fish for a winner, like if it's not jumping off the page at you, okay, this guy's got to be our con Smythe. If it's not jumping off the page and you have to look, I almost want to look at those moments that decided series. And that 3-2 three, yeah. goal by O'Reilly, Lesko and I were talking about it earlier, man, maybe my favorite goal of the playoffs. Like I was watching it. I was tuned in. I, it's not like I was on my phone or looking somewhere else. I was watching it, and I still couldn't believe that he pumped that in. Like right off the rebound, stick on the ice, banged it through the five hole. It was such a huge goal. Uh, blew the roof off the building. If he's able to score, let's say, another goal or two at really key moments from here on in and they win, I'd like to see it go to O'Reilly for that leadership, that uh, veteran, the skill, the determination. And I think he's a bit of an underrated player. I really like Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, uh, for sure. It could easily be him. And, and that goal was huge. It obviously tied the series up. And uh, just as I, I, me and Nick talked about on our show yesterday, like, coaches if you played hockey at any level they just say get pucks on that and and that's what the st louis blues are doing in that game even the bruins and and then that alice petrangelo shot ends up going off the shoulder and um i I like that you said it was your favorite goal it certainly was a pretty emotional goal for the st louis blues and the way that the reflexes you kind of have to have to to bat that out of the air right before the puck hits the ice are obviously uh, pretty elite but that's the player Ryan O'Reilly is, and I still can't even believe the the Blues got him when they did. No kidding. I mean, yeah, that trade's looking brilliant yeah. right oh, yeah. now, like an absolute fleece job. You know, yeah, you yeah, know, you know, sure. Tyler. You you watch a lot. Obviously, uh, you're 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 tuned into every series right from the get go in, in round number one. Um, I I just want to know what you think about the Blues uh, as far as their fan their fans are concerned and. Maybe a touch a little bit on the atmosphere um, in, in in the Blues arena because for me I feel like it's a little bit different. You don't really hear a lot of like you know classic rock ACDC stuff. You don't hear Drake or any top forty Bieber stuff like that. They really dumb it down and give you a lot of organ and like the way the game was back in the day. 
Yeah, I, I like that. Not a lot of arenas in the National Hockey League, and you know what, in, in all major sports really do that, but it seems like a cool environment. I'd love to get down to Enterprise Center to, to watch a game at some point in the future. It, it looks pretty uh, lit down there, as the kids would say, boys, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know what? The fans look great. Like just watching the pregame festivities that they were uh, airing on Sportsnet uh, before the game. Like Gary Clark Jr. played, who is a really good guitarist. He's he was actually shredding it. Oh, he was shredding it before the game, and and the fans there were loving it. They were drinking the beers, and 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 they were getting pretty drunk before the game. So it looks like a great environment. Uh, I do like those old school environments where it's more organ or or more '80s music, like. Who would have thought that Gloria would become like uh, <laughs> yeah. a song again in 2019? But it, it has been. Yeah, I don't think anyone in 1987 was was saying, "Hey, in 2019, there's going to be a radio station that plays Gloria for 24 <laughs> hours." Exactly. Straight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, listen, Ty. Just a couple more before we let you go. Uh, Leaf related. Um, the extension for Sheldon Keith. Um, what do you what do you make of the extension? Are you thinking that this is more of a hey, we want to hang on to our guy, or is it a little bit of fire under the seat for Mike Babcock? Uh, well, I think the Leafs obviously want to hang on to, to Sheldon Keith, but for Keith to take an extension like this, like how can you not want to be a part of a Toronto organization? I know NHL jobs are are what all head coaches really want to do, and they want to have on their resume. Uh, but if you boys have ever heard some players that go down to the Marlies, like if they get traded to the Marlies or sent down and then they get interviewed, they all say that it's pretty much an NHL team that's in the American Hockey League. Like They treat the players and the staff like it's an NHL team, and that's probably one of the big reasons why Sheldon Keith loves coaching down there. He obviously loves helping develop players for the Toronto organization, but it, it just seems to me like it's such an NHL environment that Keith is just kind of willing to, to kind of hang out down there, do his thing down there, and and it's like it's not that far from the the ACC, Scotiabank Arena, whatever you want to call it. Like uh, if Mike Babcock was ever on the hot seat, obviously Sheldon Keith would probably be the next man up. And and people like to connect dots, and people like to think that Mike Babcock may be on his way out. But uh, just from what we heard Kyle Dubas say well, about what a month month and a half ago now, uh, he, he has all the faith in Mike Babcock. So uh, I think Babcock's safe for the next year or two. Uh, Sheldon Keith's a great head coach and. Uh, probably would have taken an NHL job if it was out there. Like I'm, I'm not thinking the Ducks offered him anything. The Flyers probably didn't offer him anything. The the Sens probably didn't offer him anything, and he's sticking where he's most comfortable. Yeah, it seemed that it was uh, a relatively quick turnaround from when the Marlies were eliminated to when that contract extension was actually announced. So I'm wondering if if there you know there wasn't as much interest as everyone speculated. I wonder if that's a little bit of a Toronto media-driven story so much that, you know, everyone's banging his door down to get him. Yeah, you never know, right? Like, <laughs> Toronto media can drive any single story. So uh, you don't really know. They, uh, Yeah, as you said, it was fairly soon after the Marlies got eliminated, so they probably had something in place, and we're kind of just waiting for Keith to be done coaching in the Calder Cup playoffs. And um, as Leaf fans, like, you guys are probably pretty excited to, to still have a good coach down there because, I myself, I try to get to a lot of Marlies games. They're obviously cheap, and it's tough to go to Leaf games sometimes, so the Marlies are the next best thing, and uh, it's been nice when, when Keith's been the head coach because he's certainly done a, a great job with that team. Well, I'm excited for two reasons. One, because I think one of our greatest assets is uh, Sheldon Keith, and I know not a lot of organizations are going to say that, and maybe a lot of pundits are going to say, you know, oh, well, that's just you, Leaf fans. Everything in Leafland is super important, blah, 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 but 
realistically, I think we have an asset in Sheldon Keefe. It's good to hang on to him. But reason number two, and this might be 1A or 1B, is my personal relationship with Sheldon. Like I worked alongside Sheldon here for the Lumber Kings when he was here, five consecutive championships, culminating in the Junior A national title. I mean, the guy is destined to win no matter where he goes. He was such a treat to be around and work with. You know, we were in the coach's room. I'm, I, I wasn't, I'm not claiming to have had an impact on the team, but I was just around, you know, and I was in the room sometimes when they'd have meetings or discussions about this and that. And, um, you know, he appreciated our work that we did uh, on the play-by-play media side. And it was just a really great relationship. And when they won the Calder Cup, I, I shot him a quick text. I didn't even know if it was his number anymore. I said, hey, it's Josh Coleman. Congratulations on the championship goalies. Go. And he shot me a message back. So right away, I'm like, okay, I have the phone number for a potential Toronto Maple Leaf head coach. So I think maybe that's a little bit why I've been pushing uh, for him to make a position uh, for the Leafs in the future. Well, so at the end of the day, like, do you or even you, Lesko, like, do you guys think he's going to be the head coach in the next, like, two or three seasons, Then I do. I got to think that the the two-year extension is a bit of a window, like a pressure window for Babcock. Like, it, it's... He's got. They've got to make further essentially than they have. Uh, like they got to make a bigger dent, I think, in the playoffs in the, within the next two years, or they're going to be reevaluating things. And you know, if if you listen to Dubis himself, like you said, he did eventually reassure um, everyone about Babcock's uh, job security. Um, but he also says we review everything every year. So you have to think that keeping Keith in the fold. Um, you know, it's it's got to be an, almost an insurance policy type thing if shit does go off the rails. Yeah, no, it does seem like an insurance policy. So we'll we'll see how Babcock does next year. And obviously, he he doesn't have a lot of the the cap dealings that Kyle Dubas has to deal with all summer, which seemed like a really tough job. But uh, we'll see how Babcock does with the the new group. Like it's going to be a fairly different Leaf group next season with a lot of these trade rumors come true, and maybe he has to trade one of his RFA, something like that. But uh, we'll see how Mike Babcock does. You just got to get out of the first round, and then maybe Leaf fans will actually start liking him again. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so listen, Tyler, uh, uh, do we have time for one more? You got time for one yeah, more? Yeah, sure. Okay, it. sweet. So uh, you mentioned RFAs. So um, I'm not going to list all of them, but I'll give our listeners a quick rundown of some of the uh, VIP guest list of uh, RFAs going into this offseason. Mitch Marner, Braden Point, Miko Rantanen, Sebastian Aho, Kyle Connor, Timo Meyer, Brock Besser, Patrick Laine. Uh, there's a few more in there, but um, those are some of the more notable names. Of any of these names, Tyler, are you anticipating anything outside of the normal, um, be it a offer sheet or a trade of some kind? Are, are we going to see some fireworks this offseason? Because I'm really looking forward to this summer. Uh, normally I just can't wait for the season to, to begin, but I'm I'm itching to see some of these deals. Yeah, I think I was reading earlier today, I think Elliot Friedman might have mentioned in his 31 Thoughts podcast um, that possibly a guy you didn't mention because he's not really that big of a name in the RFA market uh, is William Carlson, who, you know what, had a good season last year. wasn't like his first season in Vegas, but uh, the possibility of William Carlson, maybe an RFA of that caliber getting offer sheeted could be there because like Kyle Dubas in Toronto, like George McPhee has a nightmare of a situation on his hands right. uh, with the Vegas cap. So uh, maybe a guy like William Carlson, but when you're looking at the high-end guys that you mentioned, like an Aho or a Rantanen or a Marner or a Point, like at the end of the day, 
it's really not worth it for other teams to offer sheet these guys. So let's just bring it back to Mitch Marner. Like if a team goes out and sends an offer sheet to Mitch Marner, like Kyle Dubas is 100% matching it because he's not losing Mitch Marner like that. So it's not really worth it for other teams, but for the lower end RFAs, maybe like a William Carlson, it could be worth it for other teams because maybe George McPhee says, you know what, we got this guy in the expansion draft. He had a good couple of years for us and, and you know what? We're not going to retain him, and he got offer sheeted. So maybe you'll see it for a guy like him. Um, I think another guy that could end up getting traded is Jacob Truba. He's not in the high-end RFAs, but uh, his name's been out there for a while, and I'm, I'm still surprised to this day that he's lasted the last couple of years in Winnipeg. So well, maybe you, look at those names. So Sorry, Ty. You know what's funny about that is uh, Wild Bill and Jake Truba are both on my list. Um, and I have asterisks, asterisks beside them because they're two of the many RFAs that actually signed bridge deals. So Carlson had a, a 5.25 uh, one-year bridge and Truba had a 5.5 uh, one-year bridge. Carlson's was big because he was only making a million bucks. Uh, yeah. b- before he signed that bridge. So it's funny that you that you bring up those two guys because, yeah, they are RFAs, but they're a little bit different, aren't they, than the standard RFAs coming out of their entry-level contracts? Yeah, both were in weird spots. Like Carlson was in a weird spot where he's making so little, had like an insane year, one of the best years from like uh, a random player in the NHL, you can call it, that we've ever seen. So that's why uh, they pretty much just gave him a, a one-year deal. And then Jacob Truba his relationship in Winnipeg's always been rocky. Like it feels like it's been that way since they drafted him and I know he's twenty five years old now, but I'm still shocked that he's even on that roster. So uh Shevel Bayoff can maybe trade Jacob Truber. I don't know if you boys have heard the like the Kadri for Truba rumors I or did hear that other today. pieces being involved. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if those go anywhere. Like who knows if Shevel Bayoff and, and um and Kyle Dubas are actually talking, but uh, it obviously brings a need to Toronto, a right-handed defenseman that's really, really good, and it would bring a, a need depth down the middle, especially with losing Kevin Hayes uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah, that Kevin Hayes situation is a bit of a strange one, isn't it, too? Very weird, and uh, you'd think that he would sign with the Flyers now, and I think it was just weird, boys, because it was happening while we were watching that Stanley Cup game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Tyler, we'll so, yeah. listen. Well, yeah. sorry, go ahead, bud. Go ahead. I was just going to see. We'll see what Hayes does. Like, I know he has the rights. Uh, the Flyers have his rights now, and Elena Vino used to coach him. And a lot of Flyers fans I've been reading, I even talked to uh, a Flyers fan yesterday, they're already pretty excited that Kevin Hayes is the possibility of signing there. But I just feel like I'm thinking of other times in the past where guys as good as Kevin Hayes' rights have been traded, they usually end up signing. So uh, I guess we'll find out before July 1st. Cut could be pretty soon, maybe right when the uh, the Cup final ends. That'd be a big signing for them as well. It would, you know, huge center depth add for them, uh, considering they've already got Couturier and uh, Giroux there as well. So, yeah, and plus, if they sign him, you can move Nolan Patrick down to your third line, have him as your third line center, which I thought he needed last year. And yeah, uh, Nolan Patrick will only he'll need a year on the third line and uh, to get himself going for his career. Right on. All right, listen. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Tyler. Uh, hopefully, we didn't uh, keep you too long from your prior engagements no boys always a pleasure being on thanks for having me and uh i'm guessing we'll talk soon uh go bruins because they're winning the cup 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, come boy. on, bud. Let's oh, go, Blues. All right. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to look at maybe having you on. Uh, our off-season programming is going to dial down a little bit, but we're going to try and come up with some fun stuff to uh, to throw together. And maybe uh, if you're kicking around and you're up for it, we might have you on for a little off-season programming, talk about the draft or something like that. Yeah, I'm always down, boys. Just uh, shoot me a note and, and I'll be there. Cool, man. Well, thanks again, Ty. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Yeah, boys. Take it easy. See you, See you guys later. All right, bye. All right, yeah. So that was Tyler Matteras from NHL uh, Radio Series Channel 91. Um, man, every time we have him on, it's just so cool. He's eh? always kinda, on. He's yeah, always he on. He knows fucking everything. Eh? Always on. <laughs> it's so great. So, um, uh, yeah, and sometimes, like, you know, I feel like we have to, well, we don't have to, but I feel like it's common courtesy to just send him a text and say, hey, Ty, here's here's what we're going through, you know, today. Um, but then if we went off on a tangent about Kevin Hayes, he he can just talk about that too. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's what we talked about that before with Tyler's job. I mean, he's got a, he's a Leaf fan, sure, but he's got to be up up in the know with everything. So oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to do that job. As, as cool as it sounds, like, that'd be so cool. Like, hey, I get paid to be on the radio, talk about hockey all day. But like I don't know because it would it not take away from your ability. You gotta to keep like up because team. on your on your day to day basis you're trying to ingest as much NHL information as it is. And True. like I, I feel like we kind of went through that a little bit this year with starting the podcast and like you know it became that okay I'm not just reading because I have time and I, and I feel like reading it's like I should be reading this yeah. and like I gotta check out this and a uh, little bit of know, homework and getting a little bit more diverse because sometimes I'm just ingesting leaf content till I can't take it anymore and I drive myself insane <laughs> so there's there's a sometimes a requirement for me to, to spread it out a little and you know pick up some other highlights and whatnot so you know it's it's part of the part of the gig I guess to uh, to figure it out and keep up. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, uh, I'm surprised uh, that. I mean, I, maybe I'm not surprised, but I thought maybe we might see a little bit more of a hemming and hawing when we asked him what he thought. But he says, "Listen, I'm going with the Bruins. I, I was going with the Bruins before. I'm going with the Bruins now." Sometimes, you know, some people might say like that's that's just the chalky pick because it it is the Bruins and they're the only hundred point team left in the playoffs, but. Uh, no, he seems pretty dead set in his ways. I was kind of hoping that he might be going for the Blues a little bit. Uh, he's probably, uh, you know, he just, he knows. He knows what's up. All right. Well, what are we doing? Are we wrapping it up here? Yeah, your dog's been chewing on my feet for yeah. like the last 15 <laughs> minutes. So. I fucking, was, fucking was waving at you trying to get you to fucking leave him alone. Well, I, I, I was trying to, but he just, he's... He's right on me. Like I can't, I can't go get away from him. He's chewing on the mic cord for a second, oh, so I had, to, I had to grab him and pull him away from that. Fucking so guy. then he started chewing on my sandals. So I'm like, well, it's better than the fucking mic cord. <laughs> and then he just fucks off. Yeah, he's like, out now. Now that we're done, he's now just, that we're done, just peaced. Jeez, wow, I'm fucking Archie. We got wildlife all over the place. He's man. gonna keep things interesting here for the next. Uh, I've been looking. Several I've been looking at this outside. I'll have to show you when we're off the air here. There's like, I don't know if it's an injured bird or something, but there's a bird like sitting on top of a little ledge outside the window and there's another bird that flies over and sits on top of them i can't imagine that that's helpful they're not banging i don't think so i don't know man i'll show you after this episode's <laughs> fucking gone off the rails here all right so thanks again to uh tyler Matteraz uh from sirius nhl radio for joining us we'll have him again uh soon here on the pucks and deep podcast for adam lesko i'm josh coleman you can find us on twitter at coleman 42 at lesko adam and follow the podcast Twitter account at PuckPod. Drop us a line. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some free shit uh, soon coming up for you listeners out there. Thanks for joining us. It's been a wicked episode, an hour and a half deep. 
uh, episode 35 under wraps. Stanley Cup final underway. We'll see you again maybe in a week, maybe in two. I don't know. Till then, take care. Comb your hair.